0: For decades, we've wanted our church to be led by spiritual moms and spiritual dads, uh, not just the male-dominated patriarchy that has played out in some churches. For, For us, going back decades, we knew that men and women are equal. We knew that God's calling and gifting was equal between men and women. And yet, just believing that, it didn't happen. Welcome back
1: to the Southridge Worship Leaders podcast. This is your second episode. If listening to things in order is important to you, please pause this episode now. And if you haven't already, go listen to episode one. We would love to hear what you thought. Give us your feedback. Tell us what inspired you, challenged you, or even better, what you disagreed with. What do you want to push back on? The hope is that this isn't a one-way dialogue where you're just consuming information, but that this actually becomes a conversation that can keep going over time and help us to mutually shape one another into being both better leaders and better followers of Jesus. Over the last year, our church has been having some really important and crucial conversations regarding diversity. Whether you're relatively familiar with this conversation or it's brand new to you, I think that one thing most of us can agree on is that it can be a hard conversation this is something that our department has focused a lot of energy and time on over the last year and we would love to pull back the curtain take you behind the scenes of some of the ways that we're trying to reflect God's heart for diversity that we read about in scripture buckle up here we go So today we're going to talk about diversity, and that's something we've always cared about as a church community. It's not necessarily a brand new idea or concept, but probably over the last uh, year specifically, we've given it a lot more attention than we have in years past. Um, and so I'd just love to talk about that today and uh, kind of give people a bit of an inside scoop on why that is and why it's important and what that can look like. Um, and so I just thought, like, let's start from the beginning. Um and let's just talk about the basics of why why is diversity even important in our services
0: yeah i mean i i think before it's important in our services it's an, it's important in our world it's important in our understanding of life and humanity and our understanding of god i mean from the very very beginning if you crack open if you cracked open a bible for the very first time and started trying to understand God, the first thing you would discover is this incredibly creative God who mm-hmm. builds this incredibly diverse system with plants and trees and waters and stars and moons and all kinds of animals. God is a God of diver- who expresses self through diversity. And even when God creates us, we're told that God creates males and females in God's image. And even, even in trying to create Humanity in a way that would reveal God's image. God creates men and women, both, mm-hmm. to equally represent, but in different ways, God's own image. So you see that uh, you see that throughout all of Scripture, God affirming uh, that that diversity is important, that equality among different people, especially as we get into the New Testament, you see. Uh, Paul regularly uh, clarifying that there's no division, there's no hierarchy between people that men, women, slave, free, Jews, Gentiles, uh, people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. And I mean, that would be sort of a you know, if you start at the beginning, if you look to the end, if you get to the book of Revelation, God describes this community of every nation, tribe, and tongue gathering together as one in worship of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is God's vision for the world, that we would all be fully and uniquely ourselves, but come together as one body in worship of Christ. And so this idea of diversity is super foundational, but even as we start to think about the church and specifically things like how we would do services, like when you think about how the Apostle Paul teaches in First Corinthians, for example, where he does a lot of explaining about how church services should should unfold. One of the things that he articulates very clearly is the importance of diversity. In in First Corinthians twelve, um which i don't think it like not coincidentally that precedes first corinthians 13 that talks about the importance of love love yeah um and not being self-interested but mm-hmm. that that sort of flows out of this idea in first corinthians 12 where he says listen the body is filled with many different body parts there are eyes there's he- ears hands feet mouths and uh we need them all we mm-hmm. can't just be if you have a church or a church service that's all all ears or all eyes mm-hmm. you you don't have a complete or fully functional body. Mm-hmm. And so diversity is actually incredible. And he Paul actually goes on. So that's first Corinthians 12. He talks about the diversity in the body. Then he bathes the whole thing in love in chapter 13. And mm-hmm. then by the time you get to chapter 14, he's saying so when you come together, everyone should bring their own pieces. Someone's gonna bring a reading, someone's gonna bring a song, someone's gonna bring a prophecy, someone's that we that should actually get expressed practically. Mm-hmm in what we do when we gather. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would say that, that it's pretty hard to actually take a good look at Scripture and not discover that diversity is pretty important for of a value when we gather.
1: Yeah, that's that's good. I'd never actually thought about um, the content of chapter 12 <clears throat> coming right before 13 where we focus on love. And I'm just even thinking through the idea that as different members and different parts of the body, um, even just functionally, if the church is Christ's presence in the world then like we don't exist as different members of the body just to like get different things done or to like check different boxes but we actually become a better representation of Christ's body in the world when we reflect the diversity of who God is right because if God is creating out of the diversity mm-hmm. of who go- of who God actually is um then when our body of believers actually better when we embody diversity we actually better embody Christ by reflecting the amount of diversity that's absolutely
0: God. true i mean if you go back to that genesis uh 1 2 and 3 idea that like males on their own cannot actually fully bear the image of Christ it's males and females and it's important to to stop here because when we talk about diversity i think the the that word seems synonymous with uh, talking about things like skin color or mm-hmm. racial racial diversity and that's certainly something that has been an important conversation for us this year and it's something that we have invested a lot in and we can talk about that but when we talk about diversity this year um, we're talking about a diverse types of diversity. We're talking mm-hmm. not just about skin color. We're talking about, uh, people with ability with able-bodied people and people with disabilities. We're talking about males and females. We're talking about young and old. We're talking about gay and straight. We're talking about married and single. We're, we're wanting to be a much more comprehensive, uh, embodying of the full spectrum of God's people.
1: So I started off by saying, this isn't something new. This isn't something that we're thinking about for the first time. It's probably not even something we've talked about for the first time. In fact, I know it's not the first time we've ever talked about this. Um, if this isn't a new concept, why hasn't our practice as a church
0: reflected the theology that we've always held? Yeah, I, it's a great question. And I think... I probably will have some unsatisfactory answers because at the end of the day it's unsatisfying to acknowledge that we haven't lived up to what we've known we should. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, answer number one is sin. Mm. Even if it's unconscious, even if it's just, it's not necessarily bad things we've done, but it's the good things we've left undone. There's, there's so much good we've left undone. Mm. Um, And I mean, I, you and I were chatting the other day and I was saying, and we were talking about how history would remember us. And I said, just start by accepting the fact that history will remember all of us poorly because there's so many things we don't even know we're doing wrong. Uh, And so we, I want to start with humbly saying like part of why the church isn't a full and proper and healthy whole reflection of the body of Christ is because of our sin, Mm. Now, it's not been, like you've said, a conscious sin. We have been aware of the need for diversity. We have for decades wanted our church to be led by spiritual moms and spiritual dads, uh, not just the male-dominated patriarchy that has played out in some churches in the past. And um, for for us, we again, we theologically, going back decades, we knew that men and women are equal. We knew that God's calling and gifting was equal between men and women and yet just believing that and wanting both men and women to emerge as the leaders in our church it didn't happen. It didn't happen because we didn't understand all of the the even generational but all of the the barriers that that we don't all start at the same starting place in life or in uh, thinking in, in growing into things like spiritual leadership. Like we recognize that actually we need to do some disproportionate work for the, the young women and emerging female leaders in our church, things like the programs we run, like brave girls uh, or next level leadership. Um, We needed to disproportionately invest in, in women in order to get to equality. And I think, part of my answer of why it hasn't gone faster for us is we've recognized that whether it's diversifying so that we're not just a bunch of rich people who pull onto the country club type church parking lot in our Lexuses and gather together for church among the privileged. And we started actually caring about the poor. Well, we didn't snap our fingers one day and suddenly become a church where homeless people are part of our services that took decades and Literally millions of dollars over the years in staffing and in investment, and in like the amount of work it takes to become a church of rich and poor, the amount of the decades of investment it takes to become a church led by men and women. I think we just recognize that it's decades and millions of dollars, and just the stamina and focus that will get us to the point of being, you know, a church of white, black, indigenous and other people of color in leadership in our church and fully represented in our church. um, These things don't just happen because you want them to. And so, I mean, this year we made this, some people wouldn't know this language, but in our church, our departments have what we call rally cries, which are annual kind of above and beyond our normal routine. This is something we're going to focus on this year. Well, this year our department said the thing we're going to focus on is actually make putting some hard work into being much more diverse in how we design services so that's a step in the right direction but we are far from arriving uh, and we're very aware of that
1: It's exactly what you said. It's a lot of work and it's slow work. It takes it takes a long time. Um, I'd love to just dig into um, some of the ways that we've we've been trying to do that. I mean, you and I sit on a team where we meet once a week. And this is one of the forefront uh, topics in our minds as we're planning services. Um, What are some of the ways that that affects the type of content that we all take in on a Sunday morning?
0: Well definitely I think we've been exposed to a lot of new faces and a lot of new voices in our services and that's been very intentional I had a had a great conversation just over a year ago with somebody that that made me aware for the first time in a way that I hadn't really thought about it that uh, as as a, a black member of our church this person was able to to for weeks and weeks, months, maybe even at times years go through Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and never see somebody who looks like them. Mm. And it struck me that when you don't, we we learned this even in the, in the journey we were on in, in, uh, female empowerment, that when you don't have role models on stage, when you don't have preachers or worship leaders who are female, young girls don't grow up aspiring to be like, they don't see themselves in the people who are leading. And if we're a church where everyone on stage is white, mm-hmm. do non-white people think that spiritual leadership is even an option for them? Right. Um, and it, it it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And there was a, I remember I went for sort of a prayerful walk and in my gut just resolved, we will never put on an all white service again. Mm. That, that just has become unacceptable. Yeah for for me and, and now for us as a team. And I think that's been one of the big shifts in making sure that we are representing people who, who look differently than the two of us. Um, and again, in all types of diversity, not just when it comes to race. Mm-hmm. So we're very careful in making sure that our services are balanced in terms of the gender of pe- the people we're gonna see on screen or on stage when we're in person. Uh, we try really hard to do things that make our services more accessible, uh, even mm-hmm. things like the weekly announcement about making transcripts available or the work that goes into yep. uh, the, the, the closed captioning. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Um, but it's not just in who's on the screens; it's in it's in what we do as well. Mm. Um, so different types of experiences. So a while back we did what we called the ASL choir, where where instead of the normal band leading a song the band kind of was in the background and the foreground was Joan Hyatt and a bunch of volunteers who had learned sign language signing the song mm-hmm. which um uh, again was just another way of doing something different that centers other people who aren't don't have my privilege so mm-hmm. that forced me to realize that suddenly I was not the center of this experience and I needed to consider the experience of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so doing different types of experiences, not just having different faces on screen. Beyond that, and this is where maybe we're a bit slower, And, and but uh, it's not just about who's on screens and stages, it's actually who's behind the scenes designing these experiences. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we try to do... And again, this is something that's still in, being developed, but there will be times when I will run ideas by uh, somebody in the LGBTQ community or somebody who's not white and say, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, what input would you have on how to do this experience? Mm-hmm. Um, does this speak, are we, in what ways are we being ignorant about the way that we're actually doing things that are coded in ways that speak primarily to white, straight, males, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So even beyond that, I mean, I know that we're trying to have in our sermon applications and those kinds of things to acknowledge single people, to acknowledge LGBTQ plus people, uh, to give examples that would apply to people with disabilities, et cetera. Yeah.
1: Um, One of the other things that we talk a lot about um, is our song list. Yeah. When you think about the majority of the music that um, that you look at on CCli, which is kind of the the licensing company that kind
0: of um, that how how would you describe CCli? Uh, they, they would they would not just license for the legalities of it, but they would also track the songs that churches are doing. So there, it's a one way of knowing what are the churches that are trending or that are that are really working well. Maybe to say it better in in. Uh, in broad, broad range of churches across the world, especially maybe North America,
1: totally. And and so there's the infamous top 100 list uh, mm-hmm. that God's favorite songs, God's favorite songs. It's the only songs God knows. Um, and uh, because they track all these things, these are, these are the the top 100 that are broadly applicable. They focus on relatively simple themes. Um, they're they're very singable, very simple, um, all not bad things but it seems like there's one or two types of songs that seem to do really
0: well. And because, because of not, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit trail, but because of the whole industry, the commercialization of worship, right? I mean, there's, there's literally millions of dollars at stake. And so mm-hmm. not to suggest that the people who are writing these songs don't have pure hearts and good motives and love yeah. God. Uh, but there, there is an ambitious to write successful songs. And in order to be successful, they got to be played in a lot of places. And so they mm-hmm. can't, ever become too uh they just need to be relatively uh one size fits all or uh, broadly applicable and quite honestly most of these songs are coming out of america they're coming out of Mm -hmm. nashville they're coming out of these songwriting factories yeah uh and in in reality a lot of them are coming out of uh white churches and white songwriters Mm -hmm. and male songwriters quite I mean, there are not that they're all white males, but Mm -hmm. one of the things that we've been thinking about is to what degree, even at the level of the content of the songs that we sing, are we actually, are we actually experiencing the diversity of the body of Christ in, in the kind of music that we're choosing. Yeah,
1: what what we're kind of talking about um, reminds me. I uh, I was doing some reading a while back, and a sociologist by the name of his name's George Ritzer, and he t- he coined the term McDonaldization. Hmm. And um, there's been a, there's been some work th- and on how this concept specifically applies to the church. But if you have a Big Mac in Toronto and in Tokyo, there are certain like um consistencies that you'll notice. If you've ever traveled and gone to any mm-hmm. fast food restaurant, yeah. y- you'll know that there's certain certain ways that um that those standards are kind of held and maintained across across locations. Um, and if you think about the church, oftentimes we end up franchising the church unintentionally. We think about these these values that worked over here and we go, oh, that worked. That must be broadly applicable. And I think that's totally true when it comes to this idea of worship songs. We've been talking even about songwriting recently and how it's important to recognize the uniqueness of what God does in a specific time and place. Write about that and experience it and embody it rather than just just trying to replicate what God has already
0: done uh, somewhere else. Which doesn't right. mean that, this, that that can never apply to us, but... Yeah, like this idea that you could walk into a church anywhere in the world and they're doing probably mostly all the same songs with the same yeah. tracks and it's exactly the same thing. And I mean, you talk about the, what was it? The McDonald's, uh, McDonald'sification. McDonaldization. Uh, McDonaldization. I've heard the language of the hill songification of the church. Yep. Yeah. And, and there's this idea that like, are we actually un- unconsciously participating in the, in creating this like one dimensional monochromatic uh everywhere you go it's the same thing mm-hmm. which there's there there's some beauty to that i don't want to yeah. say that there isn't that commonality and shared experience but mm-hmm. have we lost the sense that god might do something unique in our community that mm-hmm. that suddenly there's an expression that's a little bit different yeah. or are we all just trying to do the exact same thing cuz god's beauty and god's presence and power is is so far beyond just kind of this one size fits all mm you know, we're just trying to crank up Big Mac worship. I like that term
1: better than McDonaldization.
0: (laughs) I can't even say it, so.
1: One of the things that can quickly feel a little icky is the idea that by pursuing diversity, we're just simply checking a box. That we're just making Mm -hmm. sure that Um, I mean, I I think you already said we 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 do our best to make sure we're never putting on an all white service that can quickly be misinterpreted to say that, oh, we're just we're either virtue signaling or checking a box. Like, how do we prevent it from tipping into that territory?
0: Yeah, I always think about how I wouldn't admit too many places that I used to watch this show, but in South Park, the only black kids, his name is Token. And it's so easy for, in all of these different ways, to have the token female, the token black person, the token um, per- person with a disability, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, how do we not do that? It's it's At the end of the day, it isn't token because it's actually something that we believe in to our toes, like we talked about off the beginning, that this is God's heart from the beginning and end of the narrative of humanity and so by actually believing in the body theology of first corinthians 12 that we actually are worse if we're just some of the body parts and not all of them um when you believe that uh it changes your perspective on all this this isn't about well we got to have one of these and one of those and one of these so that we are checking a list it's about actually saying "No, no 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 we need we need people from different uh, experiences and cultures and who whose lives are shaped differently because of their skin color or because of their sexuality or because of their gender, to actually bring a richness to our services so that we can more fully experience and express the the, the image of God. And so mm-hmm. that's that's at the end of the heart of it. The, and and when you start to experience the impact of it, I think that's what keeps it from being a checkbox thing or a token thing.
1: The tension I'm feeling right now is that we're talking a lot about how we can become a more diverse community on a broad level. Mm -hmm. Um, And... A lot of the ways that that is going to happen is through the behind-the-scenes planning and the more strategic conversations that a lot of our volunteers aren't actually a part of. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we as worship leaders, as the, as the people who um, lead our congregations in singing and scripture reading and prayer, how do we think about, how, how can we think about this conversation?
0: Uh, it's a great comment because the church, even though there, in, it involves some of these corporate decisions that we and 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 services that we plan and whatever. The church isn't this detached thing; it's us. The church is us, mm-hmm. and so we will only become a more diverse, more inclusive, more fully representative of the image of God kind of church when we're all doing that in our own personal lives. Mm-hmm. And so, it's important to. Uh, I would, I would hope that everyone who's listening to this, I would hope that everyone who's engaging in the journey we've been on as a church is in their own personal life uh, doing the hard work. Again, re- let's remember, believing in it, wanting it, doesn't make it happen. It actually requires work. It requires years. It requires reading it requires acknowledging that we all have biases even ones we're unconscious unaware of Um, it involves a total shift in our posture rather than assuming we're on the right team and on the right side and our ideas are right and our ways are right to actually assume that there's probably a bunch of wrong in almost everything that we do and having the humility to evaluate everything to learn to change to be willing to push ourselves out of our own comfort zone in order to become more Christ-like. Mm. Um, I think that we need to make sure that we resist the temptation to allow ourselves to live in environments that become echo chambers. So as a practical example, you know, I'm not much of a social media, Facebook kind of person, but when I go on my, on my Facebook page, I see a ton of opinions I disagree with. And I know a lot of people who will just ignore, avoid, or even sometimes block things they find uh, that they disagree with or maybe even find offensive. And what we end up doing is we we end up unconsciously creating these algorithms where we just feed ourselves the things we already agree with and think, and we never learn and grow. And so for me, I actually, I actually sometimes as almost a spiritual discipline will take the time to click on and read views that I disagree with or I find even ugly or different or... Mm-hmm because it'll actually affect the algorithm and give me more of that Mm -hmm. and it forces me to not live in an echo chamber and that as an example in our lives can we we do the same thing not just on social media but in our friendships can we actively seek out conversations in a non-defensive listening posture with people that we disagree with or that we uh know have a different life experience than ours Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of like listening learning taking time being uncomfortable this Mm -hmm. isn't for those of us who like me who like quick fixes and here are the three steps and then you're done Mm -hmm. we'll never be done this is a lifelong journey this is actually a generational journey Mm -hmm. um so our grandchildren won't be done but and they'll be aware of things that
1: we never thought of mm -hmm. right where it feels like 10 years ago there are things we're talking about now that we weren't aware of 10 years ago. And and 10 years from now, it's gonna be something else. Um yeah. and, and it, yeah, like you said, it's it's ongoing work. And I feel like you're coming back to our first question, which is how do we come how do we become more diverse as a church? Well, it actually starts with
0: each of us. Yeah, like one of the things that has been most profound in my own journey in this last year has been recognizing that that diversity is not about correctness or political correctness or even having a church that looks the right way. Diversity is about discipleship. It It is actually a challenge and hard work that is growing me and forming me and all of us together into the image of Christ which is the whole point of worship, which is the whole point of life. Uh, It's the whole point of our faith. And diversity is one of the most powerful tools, I think, in forcing us out of our comfort zone into opportunities to become more Christ-like.
1: I hope that you found this conversation to be not just encouraging or inspiring, but that it actually challenged you in some way. I love the note that Tom finished this conversation on. As together we seek to reflect the image of Christ in greater degrees, let's remember that diversity can be a valuable tool in helping us to do that. Thanks for tuning in to this conversation, I hope that it's been meaningful. And once again, we'd love to hear what you thought. We're excited to continue this conversation with you. And we'll see you next time.